Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. All right, great. If you want to come and find your chair, that would be fantastic. Today, I want to I share on sonship, but I want to give you a practical example of sonship. And this person doesn't know I'm asking them out yet, and that makes everyone nervous. <laughs> but I want Mel Harris to come out. Come on, Mel. I have not prepped her for this. Yeah, give her a round of applause. I'm just prepping her what to say, <laughs> just to make it look good. But Mel has a great testimony, a great heart, and uh, she's always smiling and giving uh, goodness away. And, uh, and, and we've heard her share numerous times. She says with a lot of people a bit of her story, and I just want you to hear a little bit of the transformation that God's done in her life as part of being part of Kingdom Family. And um, so, yeah, just share for a few minutes, Mel. <laughs> Thanks, Marty. <laughs> oh, um, yes, no preparation. I, I think I do like that better. But um, so, okay, I've I've been coming to Harvest for not quite three years. Um, about five years ago, my marriage broke down. My life was a complete mess. Uh, I didn't even want to be here. I didn't even want to didn't even want to be alive anymore. And um, I had a particularly bad day, and a friend rang me. And, and I, was, I was on the verge of ready to commit suicide. I had an 18-month-old that I was really struggling being a mum. And uh, this particular day, my friend rang me and she said, I just had the feeling something's not right. Can you tell me what's going on? And I just bl- blurted everything out. You know, I don't know what to do anymore. And, and my friend said to me, I think you need to get on your knees and ask God for help. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And very quickly, I just felt this wave of peace come over me. My, you know, uncontrollable weeping just turned to this, you know, like I was still, I was still a mess. But, um, (laughs) you know, I I got the strength to actually get up and and go about my day. And I took myself off to my 12-step meeting that I go to. And I started my program of recovery and working on all my issues and, uh, you know, then, then I just felt like I needed more God. And I, I went to another church and I didn't feel like it was right for me. And, and then I just started noticing Harvest. And I've lived around this area for the last 10 years. I never knew Harvest even existed. But all of a sudden it became, you know, I started seeing it. And, yeah, I, I came in. 
And, uh, you know, so much has happened since the day I walked in this door and, you know, so many blessings have come about and, you know, I spent nearly nearly 20 years medicated for depression and anxiety and I no longer take medication. Um, you know, I've just, just had this new amazing job opportunity given to me and I'm really, really thankful for that. And, you know, I've managed to buy a house. I never thought that that would be something I could do. And, and you know, some of the... the, the more unseen blessings is that I actually really love being a mum now and and even though I still find it really challenging and I am on my own um you know that's that's one thing that I I was ready to give away I was ready to just throw my life away and and not have that consideration for the impact that that was going to have on my little boy and so you know to to actually you know, and I've still got work to do. I know there's a lot of work to do, but to have my heart in a place where I can actually love this little guy and want to be there for him and, and to have him have a better life because of what I've done and because of what God's done for me, you know. I, I was in a very broken place and, and today I'm not, I'm not broken, not as broken. So thanks. Thanks, Marty. What a fantastic story. Just stretch your hand out to Mel. Let's just pray for her. Lord, we just thank you for the amazing things you're doing in Mel's life. We thank you for her heart and her smile and her generosity. And we pray today, Lord, that you would launch her into fresh new things, Lord, that you would give her a voice to those who need healing. And Lord, that you would give her influence, give her favour in all sorts of arenas. And Lord, we bless her today. We stand with her today. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing and we say more. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill her afresh today and that you would do great things, that you would strengthen her and that you would freshly fill her with your joy, your peace and your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Bless you, Mel. (laughs) Yeah, it's just great hearing what God is doing in people's lives, isn't it? And uh, if you ever want to hear a great story, then have a chat to Mel because she really does have a lot to share and, um, and a lot of wisdom tucked away there. So it's fantastic. One of the other reasons why I thought it'd be great to hear from Mel is because speaking about sonship, I was thinking about sonship and, and, uh, and really what happens when God touches our lives and he takes hold of us. Um, sometimes we get born again and we, we maybe have a theological awakening and we realise we can only get to heaven through Jesus Christ and we need to be saved through Him. And then in and of ourselves, we are sinners. And so these, these things can sometimes logically be analysed and they can have a heart transformation. But it's something else when we step into the fullness of what God has for us and that sonship or that daughtership. And so... And, and Mel's a great example of that, uh, where God touches you and he does something in your life and then you become part of a community and you realise that you're not alone and you're not left out there and that God is a loving Father and he wants to bless you and he wants to bring healing to every area of your life. He doesn't just want a logical transaction, but he wants a life reformation. And he doesn't stop, he keeps going. And that's the good thing about God is he keeps on loving us and his grace never ends. And so he wants to go into those inner, deeper parts of our lives, like Mel's saying, into into being a mum and all these practical areas. God wants to keep transforming us into his likeness. Jack Frost 
was a, a great teacher on, on spirit of sonship. And, and he says this, you will treat yourself and others according to the way you think God feels about you. It's so true. The, the picture or the ideology or the feeling that we have that God has toward us, that we think God has toward us, is exactly how we're going to portray that in our relationships. If we think he's a harsh a headmaster type, uh, judging us all the time with all the legalism that he could if he wanted to, then we're going to treat others in that same way. But if we see him as a loving father, if we see his grace and his mercy and his truth and his power and his love, then we're going to treat others in the same way. And it's a big deal in this day and age where we have um, some people compromising on the gospel, uh, some people saying you can, you can get to heaven through other avenues and, and that God isn't, uh, his, his righteousness would never send anyone to hell. Well, that's not what Scripture teaches and it's a nice ideology, but it's not truth. And so we can't just convey or put our uh, belief system over the top of Scripture and say, now it means this. It always means the same thing. However, there's always the aspect of God, of His grace, His love, His mercy, and that none would perish. That's true, but some will perish. Some will go to hell. Some will deny Him. Some will reject Him. Scripture teaches us that. And so we've got to have our belief system of a heavenly Father rooted in Scripture. And when we have it rooted in Scripture, we understand that He is love, He is truth, and He is just. And when we see that, we have a balanced view of God the Father, not just a one-sided emotive view or not just a one-sided legalistic view. And so I want to start by reading in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 17. And it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also share in his glory. Talking about sonship is one of those aspects that we hear a lot about. And sometimes we actually need to open our hearts to fully realise what sonship means. Sonship, because we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit, when we become born again, we receive a deposit, Scripture says, of God the Father, and His name is Holy Spirit. And He seals us with our salvation. And at that time, we get an adoption certificate into the Father's house. And at that time, we become heirs or co-heirs with Jesus Christ of the inheritance. The inheritance of what? Of the kingdom, of eternal life, of all of the aspects of God's nature, of His goodness. And sometimes we battle while we're here on earth with all the earthly stuff as well as being an heir of the inheritance. And so we have to realise that when we're battling through the earthly stuff, it won't last forever. And you might be going through some stuff right now, today, this week. I want to encourage you, this will not last forever. There are seasons and there are times where we face trials and sufferings and perseverance and different aspects of confusion even. 
but they won't last forever. If we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And He has guaranteed your salvation. He has guaranteed that you are an heir of the inheritance of the Most High. This is good news, isn't it? If you ever need a little boost, a truth bomb, a little something just to inject some life into your situation, remember, this will not last forever. Trials are only temporary. They'll only last as long as this thing lasts. And as good as this thing looks today, hopefully you're thinking that right now, (laughs) it doesn't last forever. It's only temporary. But right now, if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit this morning, sitting where you are, then you're a co-heir with Christ. And you have a great inheritance. That's a good hallelujah right there, Daniel. Because we've all got stuff going on, haven't we? We've all got a past. We've all got things. We've all got confusion. We've all got weird things that go on in our head. And we all have to battle through that stuff. But we are stamped with a deposit and a seal that no one can take away. And his name is Holy Spirit. And he is real. And he is a person. And he is your advocate through the trials. That's what Scripture says. He is an advocate. And you are a co-heir with him. And he wants to lift us up sometimes into places where maybe we're not feeling it, but where we take our faith into that new realm, into that atmosphere. By faith, we step into those things that we can't see. But that's what faith is called, isn't it? Hope when we can't see what's going on, but we believe anyway. And I love the term in Hebrews 11 talking about Abraham, the faith of Abraham. He had hope against hope. Hope against hope. That means everything was opposite, but he had hope anyway. And sometimes we need to dig into that. But God doesn't leave us alone. We're not orphans. We are sons and daughters. And let me start by, I want to bring some um, opposites this morning. We're going to read in Galatians 4, verse 4 and 7. Galatians 4, 4 and 7. But when the set time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The difference between looking at things through sonship and through an orphan, it's like black and white. But so often black and white merges and it becomes very close. I was thinking about it this week, that in this day and age, there has never been a more competitive spirit in the world than today. It is everywhere. And we're bombarded continually by this spirit of the world that that wants us to compete and sometimes we fall into this trap. I fall into this trap. And, and we just slip in 1%. Oh, now I've got to be better because this. Or I've got to do more because of this. This is an anti-sonship spirit. And we fall into slavery. We put a yoke on our neck and we start competing. And we start competing with maybe ourselves or we compete with other people because we've got to be like that. And and automatically when we begin thinking like that, we take ourselves from kingdom to earth. 
We take ourselves from sonship into slavery. We take ourselves from grace into law. You see the different thinking? And there's all these different aspects that when we begin to step into thinking, I need to do more to be like that person. And I mean, if it's in a wrong way, if it means we're putting ourselves down and we're putting them on a pedestal. Do you know what? No one's on a pedestal. Even those we look at and we see them on pedestals, they're not on a pedestal. They have the same crap going on in their head that you do. Do you know that? The same stuff going on, the same doubts, the same fears, the same struggles, the same temptations. Every human faces this stuff. And it's so much easier if we just get rid of pedestals. Take people off pedestals. And there might be people breaking through and doing some good stuff. And we take that, but we recognize they're human. And we recognize that only Jesus Christ has the breakthrough that we need and some of those keys. And so when I begin to maybe uh, start thinking like a slave and start thinking that, that competitive, I mean in a wrong way because I compete with myself all the time with my running times and other things. But you know, I see that as a very healthy thing. But I mean competing with other people. I mean it happens in church. Happens in church when you're talking as pastors, you'll invariably talk for around 10 minutes and then, uh, and then up, up comes the discussion of, you know, how many people have you got in your church? Do you know what I do? I never talk about numbers. I never mention how many people we've got in our church. And it's one of those things that very quickly it becomes comparison. And the person who has less people in their church feels worse than the person who has more. And do you know what? After doing it for 10 years, I've realized this. It doesn't matter. And I've also realized this. I still, after all these years, cannot find a scripture that says, he who has a big church is doing better than the one who has a small church. (laughs) I've also found this. I relate to a lot of guys who have smaller churches. And some of them are the most loving, generous guys, men and women, that, that you can meet. And so who am I to to say that they're not doing well because they have 30 people in their church? Who cares? And so we we just get rid of all of that orphan because the orphan has to compete for the father because the orphan hasn't got a father. But the orphan strives and strives and strives. Please take me, take me, take me, see me, see me, see me. I've got all this, I've got all this. And, And it's a spirit of an orphan. And an orphan is one that doesn't know that it's already got the inheritance. As long as the orphan has received the father by faith, it has everything, has everything. We don't need to look like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son who already had everything but yet was jealous of the son when he came back to the father. I mean, the father could have turned around and said, what are you whinging about? You've got everything anyway. You can have a banquet every Sunday night if you want to. We're just having one because one return, the other son returned. And so if we ever begin to think like an orphan and look at others with that competitiveness or f- make others feel worse because we want to feel better, then slap ourselves. I give you permission, just slap yourself and say, just get off me, orphan. I am no longer a slave to that way of thinking. I don't want to think like that. You know, it's funny in, in church settings, you know, we have rosters. Don't you love them? Leisha loves them. We have rosters and we have structure and we have scaffolding to support us and we need all that stuff. But so often in church life, uh, you know, it's one of those things that over the years I've noticed that, that we don't want to form a system like the world that you have to do more to be better 
or to be seen. If we do that, we're just creating an orphanage, a big orphanage where every orphan, the orphan that does the most and cries the loudest and looks the best becomes the son. No, the son is the son because the father has accepted the son. It's as simple as that. And if we put a system on people as much as we need some of that background systems and we will still have it and we love you on our rosters, we never want to drive you like a slave. We never want to whip you like a slave where you have to do more, you have to say more and you have to compete for my attention, Karen's attention or anyone's attention for that matter. Because straight away we put a slave, a yoke on you where you have to work for approval in the kingdom. If you have to work for approval in the kingdom, then you're a slave. And this is not the kingdom. The kingdom does not create slaves. The kingdom creates sons. Why? Because the kingdom operates in a family. In a family, not a system, first and foremost. And the two are quite different. And the more you begin to see this, you you look around you and you've got to be careful. You have to slap yourself again because you start seeing a system. And you start going, oh, my gosh, I was a slave to a system. I'm a slave to a system from Monday to Friday. Please don't make me a slave on Sundays. Free me of the burden. And so I hope everyone doesn't email Alicia and say, I'm out of here. But I'm telling you, the more other leaders I talk to about this, and I find myself going to this, as well as juicing, they're my two hot topics for for this current couple of months, and running, that's another one, but... But it's, it's sonship because I find so many other leaders right now are falling to the system and they are becoming slaves to their people and they are becoming slaves to how many people, how much money, are you growing, are you doing this, are you doing that? And I just look and think, oh my gosh, that's so tiring. That is so tiring. It really is. For leaders, it's tiring because they feel the pressure of having to do. And so they've got this yoke of competition on them. They've got this yoke of what aren't I doing? Why isn't my church growing? Please send me that system. Send me that podcast. Send me this. And they're all good. But sometimes we just need to get rid of that stuff and say, hey, God says, I will build my church. I will build my church. We're the helpers. We're the harvesters. We're sent out into the field. And hey, bring it on. We want growth. We want healing. We want all of that sort of stuff. But first and foremost, I'm a son Karen's a daughter. You guys are as well. Sons and daughters of the living God. Sons and daughters of the living God. And when we, yeah, give him a round of applause. When we know we're a son or a daughter, it wipes away insecurity. We have a lot of insecure people in the world right now. A lot of insecure people in the world. And it's one of those things that we have these polarizings in politics, left and right, polarizing. I mean, it's getting further and further and further apart. And uh, I could say all sorts of things right now that are little bugbears for me, especially about the Greens, if I just say that. And that's, that's just out there. That, that's out. I don't mind. You're with me on that. If you're, if you're in this church, you're with me on that. However... However, we are to be the peacemakers. And somehow, somehow, people who are sons and daughters can have an atmosphere, can have a security that, yes, we'll stand up for truth and, yes, we'll say what we, what we believe when it's right and we'll do all the right things. But a son or a daughter 
doesn't have to fight just to get their argument across. Because a son or a daughter knows their father is going to look after this thing. And like that song said, we know how this thing ends. So even if there's chaos from now till then, we know how it ends. And so we have this inner security that no one can shoot us down, that no one can tear from us because we know the Father is with us and the rider on the white horse is coming for you and he's coming for me. And the Father is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, if we've stood, our, stood the test till the end. And if you haven't this morning, if you're hearing me speak and you don't know what I'm talking about, this assurance of the Father through Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you, even sitting right where you are, you can just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And it's as simple as that. You don't even need to come out to the altar. We don't need to Facebook 100 salvations this morning and get popularity from every other church and make them feel worse because they didn't get any salvations this morning. Do you see the system? It's a system. And we don't want to be part of a system. We want to be part of a kingdom family. Because a kingdom family celebrates when a brother or a sister gets an upgrade. And, you know, a, a lot of what I'm sharing now, Leif Hetland is going to come and steal when he comes. You're going to hear some similarities. Um, but I say that because he listens to my podcasts. But when I first heard him speaking, apart from his Norwegian accent and he, he's, he's got some quirky stories and things like this, I, I began to listen and, and he has this sermon called Three Chairs and I'm sure he's going to preach it when he comes here. Uh, but it was quite eye-opening for me. I'm listening to it going, oh my gosh, I've been in chair number two most of my life. And, uh, and I want to be in chair number one. I want to be in the good chair because every good orphan wants to promote themselves up to the top of the class. And so you're going you're gonna to get a lot of greater revelation on this when he shares on this because he ha has a greater revelation on this. But it begins to open your eyes. Most of our lives we live and function as orphans. Whereas if we can turn it around and not what can I get but what can I give. And knowing that if he owns cattle on a thousand hills, I wouldn't mind owning a thousand hills. I love hills and cattle as well. But... But if, if we know he owns all of that and the whole world, and how much more is he going to look after me if he looks after the sparrows? See, these are words of the Father over you. You are not going to get left out. You are not going to get missed. If you have an insecurity that someone else is going to get promoted, start praying blessing on them. It's a surefire way to go in an opposite spirit. And especially if they pee you off. If they annoy you, pray for them even more. It's hard praying for thorns. Have you ever had a person who is a Judas in your life? Begin to pray for them. I've started doing this since hearing someone preach on this some years ago. And it is my worst prayer time. Lord, bless Judas. Because Judas is annoying. He is a pain in the rear end. But I heard Chris Vallotton say everyone needs a Judas in their life. Paul had a thorn. Why? Because sometimes we need to grow in grace. And if we're truly to operate in the kingdom, and please, Jesus, don't send me more thorns this week. It's invariably what happens. Just send them out. <laughs> but this is the kingdom. See, slaves, slaves have to compete all the time, competing out of insecurity and fear. Competing, competing, it's what the world does. 
competing, competing. Who's the most popular? Who's got the most money? Top 100 this, top this, top this, top this. And it's just all a load of rubbish, all a load of rubbish. It's wiped away as quickly as anything. I remember being on... uh, Uh, Our company was in the BRW magazine in 2006-7 and we were top, uh, BRW is Business Review Weekly, it's the top business magazine in Australia and um, they did an article on us and I think we were top 21 fastest growing company, private companies that year in Australia, that year in Australia, private growing, top 21, that's, that's, I thought that was a good achievement (laughs) but I've still got some stuff to deal with obviously. Anyway, um, so I remember after that we had a whole lot of publicity. The advertisers wanted to keep coming down and all sorts of publicity came coming down. And I'd, I'd see this windstorm of publicity and, you know, things would get put up. And um, they even had a mugshot of me at the old airport. Anyone ever walk under that? I used to have ran- – yeah, thanks, Laurie. Thanks, one person. At the airport you'd walk into, out of the car park and, and uh, under this sign and there was me. And it was very awkward. Um, me looking at me. But anyway, I, and I remember getting these text messages from people saying, hey, I've just seen you at the airport. I'm like, I'm not at the airport, I'm somewhere else. But um, it was a strange time because I got to see how fickle that whole world is, just for a moment. Because one minute, everyone, after the BRW thing, everyone texting me and there were so many articles and, and uh, the media were coming down. Oh, have you done this? Have you done that? And I remember then they were, they were going to leave and it's just like, boom. This is silence, absolute silence. And I think, wow, if my company went bankrupt right now, these guys, they wouldn't even ever want to talk to me ever again. And I got to see how fickle that whole world was, just, just a micro bit of it. But I got to see that it is fickle. All of that stuff, it's not worth it. It shouldn't consume our energy. If God does stuff, then let him do stuff. But it's very, very fickle. And as kingdom people, we can very quickly fall into a slavery mentality of popularity out of insecurity. And we never want to do that. If we ever fall into insecurity, remember, you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. And He will promote you. He will bless you. He will provide for you. He has anointed you to bring good news. And he's looking at you and he's championing your cause. And so what more can you do than him other than be obedient? I've just flicked to Jonah and Maddie's wedding notes. Somehow I've done that. And I don't know how I've done that. But obviously, uh, obviously I'm done. Uh, Hugh, can you just put up my next, my next verse there? I can't remember what it is. Galatians, the next one. There we go, Romans 6, 14. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Where the law finished, grace begins. The law did stuff. It was for a time. But it was completed and then it was fulfilled and released to all of us by grace. The grace of God is one of those things that our minds can never fully fathom. We can understand the law. Because it's rules and regulation. And a lot of us feel comfortable with rules and regulation because the rest of the world is monitored by rules and regulation. But grace is one of those things. It's like mystical. It is never-ending. We can't put our finger on it. We, We can't fully capture it. It is an endless principle of the kingdom. 
And when we stand as sons and daughters and we realize that grace, just the tip of the iceberg, we've captured grace. We get law. We get all of that. And then once we just fully understand law, then grace comes in. And then we got bombarded by all of this freedom. If you have been under a yoke of slavery of trying to please other people, grace frees you from the need to please everyone around you because you realize I'm already a son or a daughter. I don't need their approval. And it doesn't mean you give them the birdie like this grandma did last week when I was driving quite nicely. I couldn't believe it. A grandma gave me the birdie. And Natalia said, did she just flip you the bird? I'm like, this world is crazy when grandmas are flipping birds at you. I mean, it's just, it's weird. But when we are under the law, we've got to get everyone back. You did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to get you back for what you've done to me. You've hurt me, I'm going to hurt you bad. You said this to me, I'm going to get you back. I find it so strange on social media. It's one thing I've never done is argue with someone on social media. I look at it and just go, what? Really? You expect me to drain one minute of my fingers and my energy on that? Sorry, I'm a son. I don't waste time on that. I just don't waste time on that. It's like theological discussion. Some people are, are called for it and bless them for it. But I just haven't got the energy for it. People can believe whatever they want to believe. They can read their Bible and find out anyway, or they can search it out. But I sort, of, I sort of look at some of this stuff and just go, boy, nah, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm not upsetting my spirit. I'm not taking that, any of that stuff on. And sometimes we have to fight to stay as a son or a daughter because the enemy will want to put you in slavery any way he can. He'll want to put you back under law the minute something happens to you. Someone offends you, bang, offend them back. I found a good rule on this. If you want a hint, if someone offends you, put it in your back pocket. If there comes a time and a place to deal with it in a godly way, then do so. But whatever you do, get rid of all emotion out of the situation. Normally it takes, well, depends who you are. Some people it might be fine after a day, some people a week, some people a year. Whatever it takes, give yourself grace because you don't have to deal with everything right now. You don't have to. You don't have to confront everyone on every issue right now. Because if you're a son and a daughter, you know that your father is looking after you. He wants you to keep your peace. He may bring up an opportunity where you need to deal with some stuff and you deal with it in a godly way. But it's one of those things that in life, we never want to thrust ourselves back under law. And so if we ever find ourselves thinking like, they did this to me, I need to do this to them. Or we find ourselves operating in a way that could fall under law, where there's repercussions, where there's, uh, where there's something, well, oh, no, no one knows, but they're really a bad person. Why does everyone like them? This is the orphan. The orphan thinks like that because the orphan feels like he or she is always going to miss out because that's the spirit of what's risen up in them. Mum and dad left them, so there is no mum and dad. There's no one to look after them. So you've got to look after yourself. The truth is you don't. You've got to let go of yourself. Trust in the Father. And the Father who does love you, who does affirm you, who will bring truth and He will challenge and He will uplift and He will teach and train and even correct. Do you know the Father will correct you? I know He does me. If I'm thinking wrongly, 
he will say, slap yourself. I'm just kidding. That's my language. I'm sure to you he's much more loving. But it's one of those things. We've got to realize that the Father wants you to be so refreshed in a reformation thinking as a son or a daughter that you never strive for anyone else's affection ever again. Because do you know what? It's tiring. I don't know about you, but trying to please everyone else, it is so tiring. It's so tiring. So as a son or a daughter, we realize that people will take us or leave us however we are. But I'm a son or a daughter. I'm a son or a daughter. I'm a co-heir with Christ. And we don't take that arrogantly, but we take on freedom. Freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, who's our deposit of our salvation, there is freedom. There is liberty. So live in liberty. Live in freedom of mind, freedom of heart, not under a yoke of slavery to man or systems or people or all of these different things. And, and do you know what? Some would say that this is dangerous preaching in a church because no one will attend your church because they don't have to come to church anymore to be saved. Do you know what? They never had to come to church to be saved. They never had to. And as much as we want you to come to church, and it's, it's one of those just, just majestical things of the kingdom of God, we come to church because we're free. And when we fully realize we're free, we don't want to be at home anymore because we want to be in the free house of God. Why? Because no man is compelling us to. You're not a slave to Karen and I. You're free. You're free to come. You're free to go. No one is beholden to Harvest Church. You have to be a member of Harvest Church to be truly in the kingdom. <laughs> you know, if you, want to, if you want to get an upgrade, leave your other church and come to Harvest. <laughs> Do you know what? This is the biggest lie of the enemy in church. And it's insecure pastors who say things like that. I know because I've been like that at various times. And then finally God comes and I slap myself. He doesn't slap people. And I go, what an orphan. That is orphan thinking. Orphan thinking. If he's going to look after the sparrow, how much more is he going to look after me? And whatever you're going through right now, have a look at it through the eyes of the spirit of a son or a daughter and things change. Things change. Some of the stress begins to just open up and, and be released because you realize your father loves you. Your father loves you and he's championing your cause. And he is above every other thought you can have. And he's in front of you and behind you on your right and your left and above and below you. He's all around you and he's given you a great advocate. And his name is Holy Spirit. And so instead of having a law that says you have to spend an hour every single day with him and then you'll feel bad if you don't, that's law. But a spirit of freedom says spend time with him. Fall in love with him. Let him pour his presence out upon you. And that is freedom. But if you feel like you've become systemized and organized and processized and everything else and you've fallen into a yoke of slavery, then get rid of it today and step into freedom because God wants freedom for his people. He doesn't want us bound by a system. He doesn't want us bound by man. We didn't get saved from a system to become part of a system. We got saved from a system to be part of a kingdom family, didn't we? So let's stand this morning and... Let's hold hands because that's what families randomly do sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally. Lord, we just thank you for your truth. 
And we let go of any yoke today that we've held to the system and to just ways that have bogged us down and made us insecure and made us feel like we have to work for man's approval. We just release that off every person if we've ever put that on people. We release you of that today. And Lord, we pray that you would come and fill us in this place with a fresh awareness of the spirit of the sonship, adoption, adoption into the kingdom family that is so liberating, so liberating that will never be bound again, that we will be free, free in the kingdom. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would touch us with a fresh touch of heaven. A spirit of freedom would fall upon us as your people. And this week we will walk differently. We will talk differently. We will think differently because we can see everything through the eyes of a son and a daughter of the Most High. And so we just speak freedom today. I decree freedom over your mind. I decree freedom over your life. I decree freedom over your thinking, over your words, over your relationships. I decree freedom over your health that may have been bound by a system that has to help you. You are empowered by the kingdom of God. I decree blessing over your relationships, blessing over your mind, over your life, over your time with the Lord. Let it be free, not bound. Let it be full of grace. Let it be full of joy. Holy Spirit, we pray a fresh release of joy, a fresh release of joy, joy of the Spirit. Joy of the Lord is your strength. If you feel weak, let the joy of the Lord fill you this week. Let the joy of the Lord, the liberating, free joy of the Lord. Not bound any longer. Holy Spirit, we say come. We say come and have your way in our lives. Have your way in our minds. Have your way in our time, in our relationship. We just let go of all the rubbish. We let go of yokes. We let go of heaviness and weariness and guilt and shame insecurities and fears, we, we just give them to you today, Jesus. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your presence fall upon us as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. 